Father, we lift our eyes to you. I pray that, that you would make the lyrics of that song so true, that what breaks your heart would break our heart, that we would learn to love as you have loved us, that we would respond in a way of imitating you the way you have pursued us and loved us. God, may the words of our mouth, the meditation of our heart be pleasing and, and acceptable in your sight. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. It's good to see you. You may be seated. And it is good to have all of you here and those online. Thanks for being here today. Uh, I want to take just a moment to be sure and pray for our veterans. We're grateful for the work that they have done in serving our country and being willing to put their needs aside and to uh, seek the best of uh, our country. And so uh, online, those of you that are veterans, we want to pray for you. We want to thank you uh, for your service. Uh, if we have any veterans that are in uh, the auditorium here, will you please stand for just a moment? Yeah. Please remain standing. So, Robert, please keep standing there, please, sir. Uh, we want to pray specifically and give thanks. If you know uh, the people who are standing around you or in your home, uh, if there are uh, veterans that live with you, uh, be sure to take a moment to thank them. But let's pray and, again, thank you for your service. We are so grateful uh, for your willingness to put your needs aside and to seek the needs of our country. Father, thank you. For those men and women who have served so faithfully and be willing to give up their comforts, being willing to give up their, uh, their needs and uh, just their own preferences to put the needs of our United States in front of them. God, I pray that you would honor them. I pray that you would meet every physical need they have, every emotional need they have. And most of all, that you would meet the spiritual needs that they have, that their hope would be in you and in you alone. Father, may they feel seen, may they feel valued, may they feel uh, cared for as a result of the work they've done. Father, we pray for our country. God, I pray that there would be an awakening that would take place. God, I pray that you would begin in us individually and that we would see uh, an awakening unlike any other time before, and that you would cause all things to work together for good because we love you and we seek you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning is one of those mornings uh, that I think there are going to be some what I call maxims. Uh, they are going to be some one-liners that I think... At any given point, you may say, this is what God had me here for this morning. And so that you would be able to, uh, to look at that and say, I think this is exactly why God knew before the foundation of the earth that I would be here today for this very reason. And I'm really excited about it. And this last week, I had the privilege of hanging out with our founding pastor, Dr. Brett Yon. And we were just talking about some of our maxims, some of the things that, that we're hanging on to that keep us motivated and moved in a, in a positive direction. And one of the verses that, or two verses that he has uh, committed to memory, that he has been using, I thought, I read it, I thought, oh, I can't wait for Sunday to share this. And this will be our driving passage for our prayer requests. Uh, so you can 
uh, go online and there are places uh, on our new platform for you to put uh, prayer requests in. But this is how we're going to pray. This is found in Psalm 62, verses 5 and 6. Let all that I am wait quietly before God, because my hope is in Him. He alone is my rock. He alone is my salvation. He alone is my fortress where I will not be shaken. Can you imagine if we actually embrace that? In fact, we could just say, thanks for being here this morning. Go live this out. Uh, but the doors are locked. So, uh, But think about this. Let all that I am wait quietly before God. Not that we are duplistic and only part of us seeks God, but imagine if every bit of our being said, let all that I am wait quietly before God. For my hope is in him. Our hope is not in someone. It is in not in something. It is not in a circumstance to happen or not happen. But my hope is going to be in him. And listen, he alone is going to be my rock. He alone is going to be my salvation. He alone is going to be my fortress, and I will not be shaken. And let's pray that that would be the case this morning. Father, I pray that you alone would be our rock, that you would be our fortress, that you would be our salvation. And I pray that if we are putting our hope and trust in someone or something, that you would bring that to our mind's eye immediately. So we can confess that and say, that does not belong on the throne of my life. That is, does not belong to be uh, the hub of my life, but you and you alone. And Father, we commit, God, I, I pray that you would give me the very words to speak. I pray that you would jettison from my mind uh, things that do not need to be spoken. And that those that are online and those that are here uh, in, in the building, God, may this be one of those days that they say is so good. To be in the house of God is so good to be seeking him this morning. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's pick up where we left off last week in Ephesians chapter 5. I'll give you just a moment to find that. And here's the verse 17, or verse 18 is where we left off. And Paul is speaking, again, he's speaking to a group of people who are in a pre-Christian culture. And I would say it's very much like our post-Christian culture, that everything, that the culture is going crazy around them. And people are feeding their own flesh in any way, whatever they want to do, whenever they want to do it, however much they want to do it, that their rights drive most everything. So this fits so perfectly. So here he's speaking and he says, don't get drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. This passage is not about alcohol. This passage is about where you and I tend to run to find relief. So as we look at this passage, what Paul is saying is, you need to ask, where do I tend to run to find relief? In case you missed it, Psalm 62 would be a great place to run to find relief. That my hope would be in him. That he alone is my rock, my salvation, my fortress. That he would be my focal point. 
We're all under the influence of something or someone. We all have a theology, a way that we live life. And so we all have someone or something that is the center of our lives. And this is where Paul is saying, don't, get, don't be under the influence of someone or something. And in this case, where they ran to was wine. But he said, that's going to ruin your life. Anytime you're looking horizontally for that which can only be found vertically, it's going to ruin your life. And we'll see this in just a moment. He says, but instead, thank goodness he tells us what to do, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, when you choose to become a follower of Jesus Christ, all of the presence of God comes to live in you. Every single bit of Jesus Christ, the Spirit of Him comes to live in you. You have all of the Spirit of God that you need. But being under the influence is a different story. Because we can be, again, we can, we can uh, rotate our lives around something or someone. And remember that there's all, the, the throne of your life is a one-seater. And so there's not room for two. So I found this prayer by Pete Briscoe that says this, Father, show me where I'm depending on others to complete me. Rather than receiving my completeness in Christ, refocus the expectations I place on others to complete me. I know I was designed to be filled by you and you alone. That's worth a screenshot, by the way, just a little hint. Can you imagine if that would be the prayer that, we, that would drive us, that we would simply just say, God, show me when I begin to depend upon someone or something other than you, because that is not how I want. I want you to refocus my expectations that I place on others. The other word that says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. The word filled is an interesting word. It's actually in the plural form, meaning that there is to be, that you are to be filled with the Holy Spirit and have it involved with other people as well. So what does that look like? Look at verse 19. So here's what the community of faith, this is why we need one another. Singing psalms, singing hymns, spiritual songs among yourselves, making music to the Lord in your hearts, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Think about this. That we are to sing psalms and hymns. And remember again, they are not living, they're not sitting on the beach in Cabo right now. They are not just looking at this amazing uh, water and, and, and sunset and sunrise. They are in a hard, hard culture. And yet he says, because you are filled with the Holy Spirit, be filled with others as well. And Sing songs, sing hymns, sing spiritual songs among yourselves that you share with one another. That's why we always talk about it's better to be in community with others. Because it's encouraging to be around with others. The people I hang around encourage me to, to keep pursuing God and to trust God when things are not going so well. Make music to the Lord in your hearts. Give thanks for, here it is, everything. Man, what a season we're in. But it says, <clears throat> give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. How can we do that? How can we do that? In case you missed it, Psalm 62, verses 5 and 6, let all that I am wait quietly before the Lord for my hope is in him. I can sing songs. I can sing praises. I can trust God. I can thank him for everything that's going on because he alone is my rock. He alone is my salvation. 
He alone is my fortress, and I will not be shaken by whatever comes. Aren't you glad you tuned in today? Oh, my word, you talk about the power of God's word, of making sure that our lives are aligned vertically, not horizontally. So here's my maxim over the last probably six months, but in, in, more so in the last uh, month and a half. So here's my maxim, and I'm going to ask you to come up with a maxim. And those of you online, uh, text it in right there among your, uh, among your peeps that are with you there. Christ in me, Christ is with me. Christ is in me, Christ is with me. And so whatever comes my way, whatever I find happening in my life, and it, it seems overwhelming, I come back and say, listen, I, I'm not alone in this. Why? Because Christ dwells in me, and I am not alone. There's nothing that I will ever face that I will ever be alone at all. Okay. Now let's get to verse 21. As you know... Christ calls us to live counter-culturally, and he's about to make one of the most counter-cultural statements ever made. Here it is, verse 21. Furthermore, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. In the Greek language, it would read better this way uh, grammatically. Out of reverence for Christ, submit to one another. Out of reverence for Christ, submit to one another. So let's talk about what the word reverence means. It means respect. It means honor. It means deep and reverential sense of accountability. So here's how it would read. Out of deep, out of honor, out of uh, respect, out of reverential sense of accountability to God, submit to one another. So here's your next maxim. Choose to lose. Out of your reverence for God, out of your deep desire to have him be the leader of your life, put the needs of others before you. So here's how it reads. Out of reverence, out of respect, out of honor, out of deep and reverential sense of accountability to Christ, that's your hub, that's what drives everything you do, that's your lens by which you live life. So out of making Christ the hub of your life, choose to lose. Or another way to say it is, as we've been repeating another maxim, what's good for God? We've been saying that. Uh, for the last couple of months. When you say, I want to live a life centered around Christ, you basically say, in whatever situation I'm in, how can, what is good for God in this situation? Another great maxim to hang on to. So what Paul is going to say is this, that the purpose of marriage, the purpose of family, the purpose of life actually is to advance God's kingdom through the replicating by through replicating the image of God. This is what it means to replicate God, that you put him as central in your life, that out of reverence, out of your deep honor for him, out of your willingness to yield to whatever God's word says, you choose to lose and the way you do that you're you're living your life as an example 
of what Jesus Christ did. We saw in Ephesians 5.1, imitate or mimic Christ. Godly marriages, we're going to make it now even more applicable. <clears throat> and this is where uh, Paul moves into the, uh, to the family. Paul is going to say that godly marriages rise and fall by determining who's in charge. Christ honoring marriages begin and continue with Christ being the hub of the relationship. And here is why. Because people make good friends, people make good loved ones, but they make terrible messiahs. I love the way Paul Tripp put it. it this one, just, just lift your phone up and just make me think you're taking a screenshot. In our relationships, we often try to drink from a dry well, and then we wonder why we come up thirsty. It's when we put expectations upon other people. We, we look horizontally for people to meet our needs. We look horizontally for our needs to be met when our needs are to be met vertically through our relationship with Jesus Christ. So I'm talking to one of my friends uh, yesterday, uh, Dr. Rick Stitcher. And wouldn't it be fun to be a doctor and your last name Stitcher? So, so you know, talking to Rick, and he just said, so what are you talking about tomorrow? And I, I was talking, he said, yeah. He said, the problem with expectations is expectations are resentments waiting to happen. Expectations are resentments waiting to happen. And Paul knew that, and so he says, are you kidding don't go to a dry well. Other people are dry wells. They were never created to be able to put you in a situation to meet all of your needs. Choose to lose. Wives, verse 22, for wives this means submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Ladies, I want to encourage you. Nowhere in verse 22 is the word submit given. In the English translation, it is there. But in the actual Greek, it reads this way. Wives, to your husbands as to the Lord. Submit. So Karen asked me this morning, what are you talking about? I said, I'm talking about wives submitting to husbands. And she said, really? I said, yeah. And she said, you are going to get to verse 25, aren't you, where husbands are to lay down their lives for their wife? said, we probably won't have time for that verse. <laughs> talk amongst yourself just a moment. Let me, let me talk to Karen. Karen, I love you. <laughs> Wives to your husbands as to the Lord. What is it? Verse 21 is the driver for how we work all relationships. And then it plays out in the family as well. That out of reverence, out of respect, out of honor, out of deep reverential sense of accountability to God, to Jesus Christ, then choose to lose to the people around you. Put their needs before your own. So it means, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. What do you do? Out of his commitment to God, he chose to lose and he laid down his life. And the word submit, and this is one thing uh, that I... I want to make sure you get this and get it well. The word submit is made up of two words. 
Oh, did she really? Thank you. I just heard that Karen loves me back. This is good. So lunch is good. I can go home. So it's made up of two words, under and place. Under and place. The word submit, under and place. And it's in the Greek, it's called, there's a, what's called the voice. And it means to voluntarily choose to place. Voluntarily choose to place the needs of others before your own. It's voluntary. It is not anything driven uh, that is, is, is demanded of you. It is a choice you make. You choose to place the needs of others before your own needs as well. So here it is. Husbands and wives voluntarily place yourselves second inside your marriages. Let's look at verse 25. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And he gave up his life for her. Most of you who frequent New Cove, you would know this. The word love, there's three different words you could have used. One is phileo love, which means brotherly love, or toughen up. Just make it happen. Grin and bear it. You can do it. You know, if it's to be, it's up to me. Yeah, I'm going to do this. He doesn't use that word. Uh, eros love, sensual romantic love. He doesn't use that word either. But he uses the word agape. And in this case, this is what agape means. Choosing to give another person what they need the most when they deserve it the least. And that's not all. And at great personal cost. That's another screensaver, folks. Choosing to give another person what they need the most when they deserve it the least and at great personal cost. Remember what Jesus said right before he died? He said, Father, if there's any way I could put my needs first, that's what I want. And isn't that how it is at home? Oh, man. If there's any way I could just have my own needs and it'd all be about me, 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 me. But the, the godly way to mimic Chapter 5, verse 1, to imitate Christ is to say, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Choose to lose. God's design, put it this way. Gary Thomas says, God's design for marriage is not to make you happy, it's to make you holy. He goes on to say that your spouse will not complete you, they will complicate you. And that's so true because marriage just, because they see the real us. And we can be real jerks. We could be, it, marriage reveals how selfish we are. It just, it just does. But the beauty of this, of choosing to lose, is say out of reverence, out of deep respect, out of giving total yielding to Jesus Christ, I choose to to lose. I choose to offer what my spouse needs the most when they deserve it the least, and I'm going to do it at great personal cost. Why? Because I'm mimicking, I'm imitating Jesus. Out of my love for Jesus, I will serve, I will choose to lose. So, how do we do this? Well, there are 
a couple things. At verse, let's look at uh, verse 31 to 33 and we'll land the plane. As scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother, they join to his wife, and the two become one. This is a great mystery, but it's a way of illustrating the way of Christ and the church are one. How mutual submission, mutual submission. Verse 33, so again I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect. Wives need to be loved, men need to be respected. Let me say this, husbands, your wife's greatest need is to know that she's cherished and wanted. Wives, your husband's greatest need is to know that he's respected. What every man wants to hear from every, uh, from his spouse, you have what it takes. And I believe that. So let me close with this. Three sentences, each three words long. Just a hint of what you may want to do here, depending on what God has shown you. These, this may be the three sentences that you want to state to your spouse. Here's the first one. 1.0. I'm sorry. 2.0. I was wrong. 3.0. Please forgive me. How do we do that? We choose to lose. And that would be our response. So if you have your phones, will you please uh, text uh, to our number there and uh, respond with, I choose to lose. We have two readings that uh, we're suggesting uh, that are important. One, for those of you who are married, uh, there's a, a, an excellent study that I would uh, encourage you to do. And then for those who are single who hope to be married, uh, Gary Thomas has one, The Sacred Search. Both of them are excellent, excellent studies. Our worship team can come to the platform as we uh, close out our service. Uh, and this is a time for us, one, to decide what, what, what do I feel like God has been speaking to me about and what am I going to do about it? Those are two questions we ask all the time. What does God's word say and what am I going to do about it? Uh, this is also a time for you to give your offerings. And let me just say how grateful I am. I know that it makes it difficult when you're online to, to give, uh, but it's worth it. We are making plans for Christmas Eve and our whole Advent season and we're planning some, uh, some things that will work, hopefully, with all the COVID issues going on. And it's giving us some freedom to think outside the lines because of your faithful giving. So as a staff, we want to thank you for your faithful giving because it frees us to say, how can we take the message of Christ? Because that's why New Covenant exists, to point people to Jesus and not let other things get in the way. And your faithful giving makes that happen. So thank you for doing that. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you that you chose to lose. You chose to give us what we desperately needed when we were not, we were far from deserving. And you gave at a personal uh, cost. And that's the secret of church, the big church, is mutual submission to one another. And Father, that's the key to home life, that's the key to us getting along with our neighbors. 
Father, I pray that we would live our lives in such a way that we, out of reverence for you, out of our total commitment to you, God, I, I pray that out of our relationship with you, our imitating you, that we would put the needs of others before ourselves, that we would choose to lose as you did. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen.